Welcome to Unleashing Your Great Work, a podcast about doing the work that matters the most to you. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Kroll, a cognitive psychologist, coach, author of the book Great Work, and the creator of the Great Work Journals. Every week on this podcast, we're here asking the big questions. What is your great work? How do you find it? And why does it matter whether we do it? What does it actually take to do more of your great work without sacrificing everything else? And how does the world change when more people are doing more of the work that matters the most to them? Stay tuned for answers to these questions and so much more. Welcome, everybody, to Unleashing Your Great Work. I'm so excited today to have Nikki James Zellner on the podcast. She is a content strategist who empowers all of us to use our personal experiences and authentic voices to express ourselves, build our legacy brands, and change the world. A dual business owner with a background deeply rooted in community, marketing, and storytelling, she's launched 15 lifestyle magazines, helped build the success of hundreds of brands, and worked in front of and behind the scenes to share written and visual stories in a way that captivates audiences. She was awarded the 2022 Trailblazer of the Year Award in the National Veteran and Military Spouse Entrepreneur Awards, and in her spare time, she fought the law for safer schools in Virginia and won. Welcome to the podcast, Nikki. Thanks so much for having me. How often when people read your bio do they then sing the song? That you, <laughs> Nikki fought the law and the, and Nikki many, won. Many times. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like maybe that was part of your point. How are you? I am super. I'm so glad that you have decided to join the podcast because we've been, I, is LinkedIn friends a thing? Facebook friends was a thing, but we are LinkedIn friends. We are LinkedIn friends. And yes. I think that, uh, LinkedIn is just a magical platform that people don't utilize enough. Yeah, um, I think they're spending way too much time on the Insta and uh-huh. the TikToks, um, <laughs> and they're not really diving into the platform where you can learn all the uh-huh. things. Yeah, and, and still, really uh, understand what people want you to know about them. Exactly. So I really love it. It's full of thought leadership, full of great insights. It's not full of a lot of drama or fad or um, those kinds of things. And I really love that you can curate who you follow. And yeah, that's one of my favorite parts. Yeah, well, that's a good segue to your great work because you uh, people will soon discover you're a content strategist. But let me let me open the field completely for you in case that's not what you would say. And just ask, as I always do, tell me a little bit, Nikki, about your great work. So I think a younger version of Nikki would have said her great work is branding, right? Helping businesses brand. But I think as I got older and wiser and became a mother and um, had events happen in my life, what I think really became my great work is helping people listen to their own inner voices so that they can attract and repel the exact people that they need in their lives, whether that's a customer to buy that perfect product whether that's a collaborator or partner to help you get to that next level and share that story, or whether that is somebody who has the means to help you and you don't know them yet. Uh, And they're just looking for somebody like you to help, right? So I think my great work revolves around, and I 
you know, my title is a content strategist, but my great work really revolves around helping people be more in tune with what they really want and how to express that in a way that gets that for them. So what is it about the inner voice and the authenticity and that that you feel like, how does that impact branding in such a way that it feels like this totally different way of doing it? Well, I think um, who I like to work with in particular are not widget sellers. Um, So if you follow me on LinkedIn for any amount of time, you will find that I put the widget sellers in a completely different category of people who are their brands. So the people who are their brands are people that have intellectual property. They are giving their time, their energy, their insights to the people that they work with in order for change to take place, right? So even though you may have a book, which is a product, that book really is your voice and really was your time and and all of these kinds of things. So, you know, um, when I talk to people about leaning into the difference between widget branding and your legacy brand, your personal or professional, to me, those are the same things. Um, It's all a legacy brand to me. It's about staying really true and really authentic to the things that have shaped you and to shy away from outside influences and listen and speak your truth, right? So um, it means being okay with saying no to algorithms and analytics and not having those be the measure of your success. Uh, It's not about getting that Amazon bestseller tag. Like if that's to you what what creating a book and putting it out into the world is, then we're probably not a great fit to work together. Because ultimately what I believe you should be going after is, is this the best possible version of what I want to say and put out into the world? Is this reaching exactly who I want it to reach instead of getting the most sales from people who will probably just put me in their bookshelf and never read me. Right. So if your if your ultimate goal really is to impact, would you rather impact 100 incredibly, completely life-changing, or would you rather say you've impacted millions, but in reality, you've barely scraped 1% of life change in those people's lives, right? So that's what I want people to listen to is who and what are they really trying to achieve and what are they trying to do? And is every step that they're taking in service to that? Or is it just for show? Right. So <clears throat> I think I know the answer to this, but I want to hear you say it like to make sure I'm right, you know, is <laughs> what does it actually get you? as the content creator or the, or just the creator or the coach or the consultant or whatever it is, what does it get you to do your content in this more Nikki Zellner way then? And and what is that, what is that differentiated from? Like what kind of content are you really telling people to not spend as much time on? Like, what are you really describing? So I think for me, In a world of done-for-you templates, in a world of AI created for you where you're saving all of this time, I think for me, it's saying you can't outsource your voice, right? And so if you truly want to be the thought leader and the person whose point of view is looked at and 
transform it, transforms for somebody, whatever it is that they're working on. A robot is not going to do that. And done for you templates are not going to do that. So there's all these stock subscriptions that you can subscribe to. Just like there's photography stock, there's also uh, content stock. So like here did are not know that. days of, of what you need to be posting this month in order to make traction in your business, right? Mm-hmm. What I think people are trading is what they think of as efficiency uh-huh. for authentic voice. Yeah. That's the trade-off. Either you are trading off, you want to create more content, you need, you want to keep up with the Joneses. And so you're buying into these services that supposedly make your life easier. But the trade-off for that is you blend in with everyone else. And you don't speak to the people that need to hear you. You're trying to speak to everyone else. And so uh, there was a, a very lucrative done for you template package that came out. It went to a lot of my entrepreneur friends. They all got it and said, what do you think about this? And I said, now I want you to imagine a hundred of my friends that just called me about this, that all of you subscribed to it and did it. That means that me, the person friends with all of you, who's following all of you, all of a sudden one day would see the same script in my Instagram feed or my LinkedIn feed on the same day because you're all using the same template. And so what I tell people is, you know, the difference between Nikki's way and other ways is there are lots of frameworks and efficiency hacks that you can do to make your life easier in content. What I try to do is do the sustainable things for you that are true to you. So even if that means you do a live once a week and the rest of the week you're only engaging in comments, that's what's sustainable for you. And that's what will also be most authentic to you. Yeah. And that's a good, I'm glad that you said that because my question was, as somebody who has realized that my voice is too specific and every time I try to have somebody write it, I'm just endlessly rewriting or mad. (laughs) Who would say that? Or like an AI and I always disagree. Like when you ask it, like, tell me how people feel about this. I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me. So I have not yet found a way to, to do it even, but I am seduced often by the idea of like, oh, somebody will do some of this for me because I, I do think that there's like a feed the beast feeling Mm -hmm. that is just exhausting. It's sort of an endlessness to social media. And I'm curious, like, and you mentioned it a little bit with the idea of like, what's sustainable for you, but like, how do you help people get through this feeling of like, it's just like, I have to run a business and So much. So I always say, you know, a podcast is absolutely one of my favorite things because they're the gift that keeps on giving, right? If you want to hear somebody's authentic voice, listen to them speak, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because so many times that isn't a rehearsed, if it's a keynote, that's different because obviously that is rehearsed. But if somebody's on a podcast and you don't know the questions that are going to be asked for you, you will get their authentic voice. You will get their mannerisms. You will get the way that they 
pause in between thinking about important things that they want to say. And you will get their real personality in terms of the way that they feed off of other people. I'm a hand talker. Anybody that watches <laughs> me on screen will automatically want to move out of the way because they feel the hand coming through the screen, right? <laughs> so uh-huh. you can learn a lot about podcasts and video podcasts, why I think they're great tools for especially brands who want to have somebody put together content using their own voice. Con- uh, content that comes from podcasts and audio and video interviews are the gift that keep on giving because you can transcribe it. You can turn it into little snacks is what I call it. I call them little snackables because nobody's watching a five to 10 minute video every time. They want 30 seconds. They want 15 seconds to get the beat. And you have a million of those that happen in a podcast interview. So what I tell people is if you're really looking for, hey, I want somebody to do a bunch of content for me, record some podcasts, either yourself or as a guest, or be interviewed on media and chop those things down. Because when you can chop those things down, the words have already come out of your mouth. And all you're doing is moving those into your branded templates, or you're literally copying and pasting them and turning them into a post and using accompanying photography, or they can turn them into an audiogram or SoundCloud, something that allows you to still be visible on the screen, but it's you, but somebody else cut that and put that together for you. Yeah, right. So reusing the, yeah, I like that idea because even, you know, the idea like start a podcast and people are like, oh God, I've been thinking about doing that. Where do I, it's like so much, yeah, so much work. It lets you, it lets you organize your content as well. So say, you know, I'll use you as an example. You've recorded 80 podcast interviews and you've had different people on all of them, but I bet there are some common themes other than the great work theme. I bet you there's some common themes that come up through them. And so you can start to categorize your content, even on something as simple as an Excel or a Google Sheet, and say, this was the theme of struggles of entrepreneurship. This was the theme of how to get started in podcasting, right? Maybe five or six of your guests were podcast hosts. You know, when you ask them all questions, all of a sudden, you have people to tag. You have people to engage with their network. You have the ability to rebring that podcast to the surface and get new listeners. So there's so many things that the spoken word can do for you. So I don't think that everybody has to be a writer. I yeah. think just if you love speaking, do more things that allow you to speak. If you love writing like I do, figure out ways of organize your content in a way that allows you to write in batches. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Batching is very, both. I think people find it truly overwhelming. The idea I'm going to sit down. Cause like I, I work with a number of, you know, coaching clients who are right. coaches, therapists, and <clears throat> I'm like, write five, just write five posts and post once a week, just anything consistent better than not doing anything. But the idea of writing five posts when you are not, not in the content creator headspace as like a piece of what you have to do. They're like, oh, I just have to write something. And then they sit down and they write the one thing, make the one image, post it manually with their own hands. And they're exhausted. Like you they can't, are exhausted. You can't, it's, it's, that is an exhausting way to do it one at a time like that. 
Yeah. And it's because you've never, a lot of times it's because nobody, we're in an, we're in a creator generation. Mm -hmm. And I'm not asking people that are, are of Gen X like I am to become a creator tomorrow, but to embrace the creator mindset, right? Of how do I tell my story more uniquely? If you have humor, really incorporate humor into things. If you have a dry humor like I do, it's really dark and dry. Like bring that into things. Pop culture is always infused to my posts. Always, 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 right? And so when I tell people, like you brought up the AI and how you would disagree with everything that AI tells you. If you are stuck for prompts, plug something into AI and believe me, it will piss you off enough that you <laughs> want to write a post about it, uh -huh. right? And so all of a sudden it's giving you the way that you want to share your voice because you've plugged into AI. Uh, what do people need to know about podcasting? Or what do people need to know about writing a book? And it'll generate all of this stuff from a million different people's perspectives. And you'll go, you know what? I don't agree with point three. And point three says that I should start uh, uh, with the end in mind. Let me tell you why I don't think that's true. And there's your post. So you can use these tools, these creator mindset tools, as ways to highlight your authentic voice. They're the prompts that you need because when we're passionate about something and when we disagree with something, we're more than happy to share kind of that opinion of. But when we're trying to create from the frame of mind of always teaching, always being at our best, always being uh, perfect before we show up, we're missing a lot of opportunities to have true engagement and real life conversations with those who need to hear what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, and so here's the follow-up question I often hear from my clients who do this heavy lift a few times and then don't do it for six weeks. I'm like, yeah, you know, it doesn't really work if you don't <laughs> post at least sometimes. Um, and they would say like, but can't I build a business just without this? Like, can I just opt out of social media? And that's my question to you. Can they? Yes, Is they there can. that option? You can if you have a really strong referral network and you're doing lots of things that fill your pipeline away from social media, right? So I do not use Instagram for business, right? It is my personal album of me and my children hiking through the woods. It is not used for business purposes at all. Neither is my Facebook. The only thing I use for business is LinkedIn. So that's the thing I jump in on and you know, make sure that I'm communicating and make sure that I'm showing up for every day. I do not use TikTok. I do not use Snapchat or any of those things that distract me from the great work, right? Um, but I think when people say, I just want to not do social media at all, what I ask them is, you know, what are you, what, what are the pieces you don't like of social media? What are the platforms you don't like? Where do you like to spend your time? And so what I tell some folks is if they like LinkedIn, but they don't like to create their own copy, then engagement of comments and other people's posts are a great place to build relationships. Now, you won't be popping into their feed from time to time because you're not creating any true content, but you are sharing your point of view. You are increasing your connections and you can still follow them and their content and be active in that. 
But if you don't want to do social media at all, then you're relying on in-person and referral building. You're relying on things like um, workshops through organizations, right? Where you're being introduced to other people's audiences. Yeah. But Instead you of building really your had own. to have used great content strategy to get your foot in the door with them. Meaning content strategy isn't just social media and it's not just your website. Content strategy is what does my pitch look like? What does my email sequence look like to follow up with prospects? What are my communication methods? And am I the same person in those that they meet in real life? So I like to say that my brand is really like direct um but funny it's like my i call her my second mom uh, one of the ladies that raised me she said nikki has the incredible ability to um deliver cutting messages while you not wanting to shoot the messenger <laughs> <laughs> right it's like i can say the hard thing and gut punch you but still cuddle you after <laughs> right <laughs> But not in a weird way. <laughs> Virtual cuddle. Virtual. But I mean, I think, you know, you really, if you've never listened to yourself and you don't know what you want and you don't know who you want to talk to, all of that creating content will be for naught. You will not convert. You will not grow your business. You will grow your business when you know exactly who and who you don't want to talk to. And you spend time talking to who you do. Well, and who you are, you know, who and you who are. you are, right. They have to yeah. be able to, I can say you and I are a great fit to work together, but we have two completely different communication styles. That means that we're not a great fit to work together, right? You have to like all of those pieces, because if you're constantly distracted by the way that I communicate with you, it's going to prevent the things that I'm actually trying to share with you from sinking in. And so I really think the more that you can share of yourself and how you work and how you help will transform your business. If you're just trying to speak like a robot and name your features and benefits and get everything into this nice, beautiful package, you might sell a lot of widgets, but you're not going to have any long-term conversion and any 1000 true fans, so to speak. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. That's a really good point. I do think that, that that's a hard lesson because it feels like, cause you know, when people give you social media advice, they give really bad advice. They're like post, remember when you were supposed to post every hour on Twitter? Do you remember yeah. that 12 times a day, at least 12 to 18 times a day, they said, Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? No. What do they do with the rest of their day? They obviously don't have children. And if they well, do, right. Or like, running around yeah. I don't, truly was like, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. And also like, it would never feel authentic if you went in or you scheduled it with like robot or something and posted every hour on the hour, something add, you know, just like apropos of nothing. Yeah. Um, and so it's not going to work. And you, it's like, you get this advice and you, you, you meet the advice, you do it mm -hmm. and nothing happens because it's not really actually about feeding the beast. It's about expressing your own unique voice, which if you did that once a week, authentically, or once a month, I don't know, if you yeah. do it sometimes authentically, that's like a thousand times more important than just feeding the beast, feeding the beast with like, I don't know, quotes and. Yeah. Your, your and own, I think like, so many people want that giant 
audience to begin with, right? And they're they're expecting that giant audience to begin with. We get thrown around numbers like Instagram has 75 million people using it. And I'm like, yeah, but 75 million people doesn't matter to somebody who can handle 10 clients a month. Right, exactly. Right. So it's like, how are you filling the, how are you filling the pipe? Who are the exact people you're reaching out to? What does that sequence look and feel like? Are you inviting them to do the right things at the right time? If somebody doesn't know your language yet, you're not going to throw them into great work 4.0. You're going to start them with, here's the intro to great work. This is where you start. If this resonates with you and you're ready to take the next step, this is how you do that. And I think so many people are like, I need, I just built this whole plan for great work 4.0 and I'm going to put it out to 75 million people who never did the first steps. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And then they're like, why didn't it work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. So that's, I think that's really, that's very smart. I think it is the kind of advice people need these days because it feels like you just cannot possibly keep up with everything. Yeah. Uh, and that has to be true for you because in your bio, it says you're a dual business owner. So yes. tell us about the other half of your business life. So the other half of my business life was unexpected and uh, not at all planned for um, right before COVID. So February 2020, um, I got a text message from uh, my children's daycare that said there had been a gas leak and the kids had been evacuated. That's all the text message said that I needed to come pick up the kids. Okay. Couldn't call, you couldn't call and get anybody on the phone. And, um, and so when I got there, there were ambulances and fire trucks and all of these things. The oh my gosh. Shut down. Um, we were standing in line for an EMT checkpoint for like an hour. And so by the time we got to the EMT checkpoint, my, um, youngest son's, um, oxygen level, it was still elevated with carbon monoxide. Basically they did a little pool of socks thing. And send us, you know, to an ambulance, basically. So that's the day that I say that my life kind of really turned upside down. Um, and these kinds of things happen to us, right? Um, a, a child gets hit by a car uh, in their neighborhood because there weren't sidewalks installed. The um, the restaurant uh, just installed bumpers for the cars. Somebody falls and breaks their ankle. Right. All of these things kind of happen to us and we just kind of use them as moments in time and then go on about our day. My background, however, is in, um, in journalism and marketing. Right. There's a story here. What why did 80 children and 20 adults get poisoned by ultimately carbon monoxide is what it was. It wasn't a gas leak. It was a faulty furnace that had um caused carbon monoxide to leak into the building and poison people. It's a, it's a fatal poison. Um, luckily no one died that day, but, uh, about six people ended up overnight in the hospital. Several were in ambulances, checked on site, being forced oxygen, all of those things that come with that. And so what I initially started asking a lot of questions is like, so why wasn't this? I'm just a curious person. I like to ask questions and, um, you know, uh, at the time I messaged the governor of Virginia because I just thought, okay, nobody local can seem to answer this question for me. And so they sent me over to the building code director and the building code director told me, well, um, schools built before 2015 in Virginia aren't required to have carbon monoxide detection. 
they're grandfathered into the new code. So even if they have something that can poison your children on site, they're not required to have detection around it because that's just the way it is. And the only way to change that is to change the law because in Virginia building codes were tied to law change. And so that's what I did for the next year for all while people were spray painting, you know, um, messages of hope on walls and sidewalk chalking their neighborhoods. I was Googling, you know, like everything there was to know about carbon monoxide. Now I was horrible in science and math at school. So I find it really interesting that that's what the second half of my life revolves around now. But when something personal happens to you, you have the best chance of bringing that story to light and making change around it. And so um, for a year, I worked with legislators. We introduced um, carbon monoxide um, detection laws into Virginia state legislature, passed the House, passed the Senate, and got signed into law in 2021. Yay! Nationally, Uh um, except I can't be in every state, but every state typically follows different building code organizations for their own state rules. And so now what I do is I testify in front of building code organizations with my story, along with other people who have very much more traumatic stories than mine and Mm, not happy endings. Thank goodness. And we go and we talk about carbon monoxide safety in the locations that impacted us. For me, that was a school. So all of my work now, my second business is uh, CO Safe Schools. Um, I run a public completely free website for resources for parents, educators, public servants um, who want to understand the modern risk of carbon monoxide in schools. And I'm the only so a mom here in Alabama. I'm the only person who collects data related to carbon monoxide poisoning incidents in schools and daycares and college campuses in the United States. And wow. uh, 274 incidents logged. And we use that data to present to safety science professionals for wow. um, changing specifications, changing requirements, all of those kinds of things. So that is the second half of my life. And I say, that's what I do in the dark, basically, while <laughs> <people are> napping, <laughs> is I'm scouring the internet and Google alerts for how to add to the database. And then what does that data tell me that I need to do next? Uh-huh. And so I use my content strategy methods every day. Yeah, I was going to say, sounds very Being familiar. a voice for school safety. Yeah. Uh, in a way that isn't angry mom, but instead is a way of this is the data I've collected. This is what it shows us. And going straight to the people that need to hear it because they're the ones that can change it. So I'm not just going to get on Twitter every hour on the hour and rant about it. But anytime there's a carbon monoxide situation that occurs and all the news locations are reporting on it, I go onto Twitter and I contact the reporter and say, here's the resources so you can educate the public about what they really need to know. And you can ask questions in your own community. And that, to me, does a much stronger good than me just ranting about statistics on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's interesting because in the beginning, I said, what's your great work? And you said, it's helping other people really tap into their own voice and their own perspective. But there's another like, yeah, I I do think you help a lot of people. And also you seem to 
do that yourself. Like this isn't the only issue I've seen you really passionately speak about. Um, it seems like you have a, maybe not another business, but like a real love affair with uh, getting good services for military families. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And um, others, I'm sure. Yeah, military entrepreneurship. You know, mill spouses are the highest underemployed and unemployed section of of workers in the United States. And a lot has been done in the last several years. But when I first um, became a military spouse, I was I had already had a career. And all of a sudden I was being asked, you know, kind of move around and be flexible and be owned by the government. And so I had to really think about how do I change my business in such a way that I can take it with me? How do I change business that no matter where I get moved to, um, I can have financial security for my family because of what I'm able to contribute, not just what my husband can contribute. Um, and so, yeah, I think you have these verticals of passion, mm-hmm. right? Say great work isn't limited to one thing. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. But I think there is some kind of golden thread through all of this that yeah. feels like it's it's like not just you helping others find their authentic voice, but sort of elevating. I don't know. I have to think about like what it really is. It feels like there's something really, really strong holding like the nickiness of it is really strong. You know, Yeah, I think it's, you know, elevating your voice and words for change, right? Whether right. that's in who you serve or whether that's change in school safety or whether that's change of mindset. Mindset is a really big, important thing for me because you can't do any of the other steps of enacting change until the mindset has changed, period. So it's really about laying out things and exposing myself to different voices and different understandings. I, I can't go in there and challenge schools if I don't understand the way that it's structured, you know, the way the voting processes are structured. So I think if you do want to get involved in creating change on any level, it can't just be from your perspective. You have to understand all of the stakeholder perspectives and what's preventing them. So if you can create things that make that easier to just talk between, you're going to make traction more quickly. Yeah. Absolutely. It's interesting. So I'm wondering, um, this is all very passionate for you. Like if yeah. you're, you're like real fired up. You can't see her cause it's not a video podcast, but she's pretty fired up. <laughs> so I'm, <laughs> I'm wondering like, how has that, how has been, you know, like working so hard? Like, have there been struggles for you to maintain that level of passion to work on so many different like fronts all at the same time? And and what what kind of struggles have you met with ha- doing this great work? So I think one of the uh, one of the things I'll preface here is to say that I have a, a chronic illness, and it um it for those of you who don't know what fibromyalgia is, it's like one of those one of those things they tell you you have, and oh, we can't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. You have to find what works for you. That's that's the that's the language they use. We can give you these pills and and they can make symptoms go away, but they won't solve the problem, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was uh, started having severe pain and things like that in 2016, and then I was formally diagnosed in 2018. And so I've I've lived with fibromyalgia now. I'm getting close to the eight to ten year mark. 
Um, and what I found during that process is, you know, listening to the body and listening to limits and what you're capable of and what enlivens it and what brings it joy and what doesn't bring it joy. So about six to eight years ago, I started taking away things that consumed energy that didn't matter. So taking away social platforms, taking away saying yes to social engagements that would literally leave me like in a fetal position in the mm-hmm. car, right? Mm-hmm. And so in that, I also had to start saying yes or no to things in work. And so, so much of my work revolves around a very limited time in the day in which I am what I call productive. And productive is I'm not trying to be productive for 12 hours. You know, productive for me is the time that I'm sitting in front of my computer and physically executing something. And so I try to have, you know, two to three hours of productive time a day where this is getting me closer to X, Y, Z goal. And then I, on the weekends is when I'm doing some carbon monoxide work because I am the early riser of my family. Nobody likes to rise early but me. And so I know that on a Saturday morning, I can get in two hours of carbon monoxide work. And this is where I'm engaging and reaching out to senators or reaching out to code councils with things I've already created to just say, hey, wanted to share this with you. Are you interested in a conversation? And so everything is very, that's what I consider productive. I eliminated the things I had to create for people. Content strategist, I am not your content creator. Uh Or I used to be one, right? Yes. I'm putting your videos, et cetera, together. Now I work with people to say, this is how you use the people you're already in vendor partnerships with better. This is the language you have to give them so that your audio is meeting your video, is meeting your templates, is meeting your website with the same through line. Because the vendors are speaking to each other. Yeah. Outsourcing all of these verticals, but not having any of them talk. And so it feels very clunky Mm -hmm. when you do online. So I had to do the same thing for myself, right? Is like, what do I eliminate? And that was, uh, as somebody who's a control freak and very overachieving and very, yes. I must fill my time, mm-hmm. that was the biggest struggle is saying no and listening to my body. I was very thankful for fibromyalgia diagnosis because I actually think it saved my life in a lot of ways from being super burnt out and super, you know, stressed and all of the things that come with somebody who's a go-getter, right? And yeah. somebody believes that their great work doesn't happen from nine to five. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> so you can't just turn it on, turn it off, turn it off. Yeah. On, it's, it's all the time. Right. So if yeah. a breaking news happens at 8 PM and Nora O'Donnell's team comes knocking and says, we're going to be at your house tomorrow. I have to be ready to do that. Cause it actually happened in real life. Right? Wow. That's cool. So it's <laughs> like, okay, you're the only person talking about this thing. This yeah. is what you wanted. You wanted the national yeah. conversation and you have to be ready for it when it happens. And so the biggest struggles I think are not getting distracted by the stuff that doesn't contribute to your work. Yes. Yeah. Which sort of right. brings it, it sort of brings it full circle. Cause there's, if I were to describe the Nikki way versus the non-Nikki way, it's like the Nikki way is don't get distracted by the stuff that doesn't contribute. Right. Don't. Right. 
Yeah, and really, really focused and on could still change that next week. That's yes, nice. that's it. <laughs> that's right. Yes, I love it. So, um, so if people were thinking, because I, I would suspect there are some people who are like, I want to like really hear her take on my business. So, like, how could people get like a little taste of working with you or uh, more information about your perspective as a content strategist, and of course, also um, yeah. about so, uh, obviously the easiest freebie way. You know, no no strings attached freebie way. Follow me on LinkedIn. That's where all of the insights are. Um, I am constantly posting in that space. And so LinkedIn, you just find me, Nikki James Zellner. I'm the only one. Uh, you can find me in that space. Uh, if you're looking to snag some time for a, just a quick strategy session of like, what's your take on this, right? Um, they can book a free content strategy session. All of the first ones are free for 30 minutes. And you can do that on my website, which is also NikkiJamesElner.com. And if for some reason somebody is like, oh my gosh, I'm scared to death that my children are going to be poisoned in their school. <laughs> I need to find out about carbon monoxide. It is very terrifying. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, they can do so at carbonmonoxideinschools.org. Nice. Carbon. Oh, so good. Well, I have to say like, it's been a very inspiring call. I, I've like, like you can tell when someone's really passionate, but just, you know, you could just pick it up, but your passion is so much more alive talking to you. So thank you. So, I mean, I really, you know, I told you this at the beginning before you pressed record, like <laughs> I, I, when great work came out the book, yeah. Um, I felt like you wrote it for me as validation of like, you're doing the right, you're taking the right steps. You're doing the right things. The thing I could do better is in community because when you have a chronic illness and you are a remote employee and move around, you know, as a military family, I think the in community part is, is the hardest pillar for me to achieve. Um, yeah. I try to build that community online and that's okay too. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And you're, you're really clear about your passion. So people, uh, if you are also passionate about these things, go hang out with Nikki too. So she's not so lot like left out of the community, like <laughs> go be Nikki's friend. Cause she's really fun. <laughs> well, I want to really want to thank you so much for your time. This has been such a great conversation. And I, I really think that the way that you talk about content is really different and really authentic. And I think fairly helpful for a lot of people. Thanks so much. I appreciate you. Yes, I appreciate you too. Thanks for listening today to Unleashing Your Great Work. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. And make sure you check out my book, Great Work, Do What Matters Most Without Sacrificing Everything Else. It's available everywhere you get books. See you next time on Unleashing Your Great Work.